0: Hello and welcome to the Zenial Dome's Little Dome. My name is Gareth Quinn. And I'm Estelle Sears. And this is the edition of the Zenial Dome podcast where we look back at this month in Zenial history. And I thought we'd do December 2009. Should we have a little look at what was on Christmas Day on yes! BBC in 2009? Please. So I'm going to spin past the morning. Okay. Let's spin past Great Railway Journeys with Nick Hancock travelling through Cuba by train. And then you had The News, The Gruffalo, Doctor Who, Strictly Come Dancing, and then EastEnders.
1: Oh, I would have watched all of those.
0: EastEnders is one of those weird things. Obviously, we've mentioned before, I used to watch it in the 90s. I used to know mm. my way around EastEnders. Now, often, the only episode I will watch in a year is on Christmas Day.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: And I can't be the only one who does that. And I do feel for the writers, who must have to sit there and go, right, how are we going to explain this to... The handful of people who are just <laughs> who whose only reference for itenders is going to be, I wonder if Joe is still in it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Paul <laughs> Nichols,
0: are, yeah, Paul Nichols, loved Paul Nichols, and I will need every character explaining in terms of how they are related to Barbara Windsor. <laughs> so I know Barbara Windsor's not around anymore. I'm I'm entering into this show knowing that, but I still need. The signposts, please.
1: <laughs> but also the pressure, because if if more people watch it on Christmas Day than watch it at any other time of the year, you could potentially be getting new viewers. If you nail that mm. Christmas episode oh, yeah. and then there's a cliffhanger and then you'll get them get them to, to watch either on Boxing Day or whenever the next episode is, like New Year's Eve or something, if you get them hooked within that Christmas week, you could potentially be building a new audience, I imagine. Yeah.
0: Do you know what does slightly bother me about the EastEnders Christmas special? Something very dramatic always happens Mm -hmm. every single year. And yet no one ever wakes up on Christmas Day and says, good grief, it's the anniversary of that time that person died. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those slightly odd things about Soap World. Is that no one ever marks the anniversary of anything. Whereas in real life, you know, if a family member died on Christmas Day, that would stick with you. I know, I know.
1: Well, because not not to bring down the mood of this podcast, and I'm happy to talk about it in a in an offhand manner. Um, I had a miscarriage on Christmas Eve. Right. Um, I I get a bit melancholy. You,
0: you know Christmas that happens.
1: Eve. You know
0: and that happens.
1: I will pause for at least five minutes to yeah. to reflect. Fact that that happens on christmas if you're so right i've never thought of that before but that would fill the whole episode in on itself like just just to reel through all the awful things, things that have on happened Christmas. christmas. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh my god. Because the archers is the other one where they'll often like make a big thing happen on a big anniversary. So did Nigel Pajita fall off the roof on the anniversary of the time that woman died in the barn fire? (laughs) Look (laughs) at But no one No one seems to have made the link. (laughs) Oh my god. Yeah. I mean you can't stare at these things too long because famously the archers (laughs) back in the fifties killed off one of their favourite character, like most loved characters, that might mm. ITV start it. So. <laughs> <laughs> he love that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> just radio throwing everything at Oh, they, they
0: really did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what I'd um, love, may- maybe, because if they don't have time to, to reflect on it in an episode, maybe just at the end, in the credits, they should list.
0: Oh, an in memoriam section. Yes. Yeah. Because did tiffany played by marty mccutcheon
1: did she die in a christmas episode it was definitely around christmas because it was
0: in the snow it was in the snow that's my memory it was in the snow but i feel like that's surely you know minimum we're mentioning that again
1: yes because we're all still
0: talking about it. (laughs) 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 we didn't even know her It, it bothers me. <laughs> yeah, I can tell. <laughs> uh, and then there was the Royal Family Christmas Special, a Gavin and Stacey episode. But from what I gathered, it's just says episode five of six. So I don't even uh. think it was a Christmas special. Um, Catherine Tate, that was a Christmas special. Uh, BBC News, and then on Christmas night, the story from Mark's Gospel, and then eleven thirty-five, the National Lottery Euro Millions draw. Oh. On Christmas Day. Yeah, well it was a Euro million, so
1: Yeah, but even even then, because um you know, Italy are busy with a Pope. Like what oh, when well, did they- the wh- fact
0: that all of Europe went we're, we're still do- gonna do
1: We're still gonna do it? <laughs> like because in the rest of Europe, like Christmas Day is even more sacred um religiously. Oh yeah, I'd not thought that. How bizarre.
0: But I think it's that thing where some European countries, maybe you wouldn't gamble on Christmas Day. But I also think in other European countries, you probably absolutely (laughs) 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 would
1: Oh, my God. It really is like a family on Christmas. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So December 2009. Do you know what the Christmas number one was?
1: Was it like an X Factor type thing?
0: No, and that oh. was oh, and that was the point. It was the first time in a while that it hadn't been an X Factor one.
1: Was it a new song?
0: No. Oh! And the moment I say, you'll go, oh yeah, I remember this.
1: Oh, no, I don't know.
0: In 2009, a couple called John and Tracy Mortar launched a Facebook group encouraging people to buy Rage Against the Machines Killing in the Name of the week before christmas yes and they did it to prevent the winner of x factor from achieving the uk christmas number 1 for a fifth year running
1: yes so, i remember this but yeah. how how did these two people these two unknowns yeah <laughs> <laughs> do that
0: through the power of facebook and i think this is this feels like a tipping point for facebook where Facebook could be used. And a a Facebook campaign actually went, we're going to do this, and they did it, and they got it to work. And I feel like that might have been a bit of a line in the sand, where they got something to work that wasn't uh, an election or something like that. But so 2004, Band-Aid had got to number one with Band-Aid 20. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it had been Shane Ward, Leona Lewis, Leon Jackson, Alexandra Burke, and people... We're getting a little bit tired of this like Mm. X Factor Circus coming into town. Yeah. By the fifteenth of December, the BBC reported that the Facebook group had seven hundred and fifty thousand members.
1: Whoa. So
0: it became a really big deal. The other thing How do we
1: how do we get that? as followers for this podcast
0: (laughs) well i remember people were like i remember being invited to join this facebook group again and again and again what had happened was x factor had said oh but we donate our profits to charity Mm. so the rage against the machine group said oh when you buy the song please donate to charity as well and they set up a just giving page which meant that raised seventy thousand pounds alongside the campaign to stop them getting to number Gosh. one and it became this really weird thing and i believe rage against the machine also went oh whatever we make from this we'll give to charity as well so yeah, i mean became... at this
1: point you'd have to and you oh you, yeah you couldn't just say actually absolutely yeah oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it was interesting i think how this kind of played out this weird battle between like manufactured pop and real music mm. and all this um, so Simon Cowell denounced the campaign as stupid and cynical, but that only <laughs> meant that more people found out about it and more news channels got onto it. And it was on the radio as a going concern in a campaign. Rage Against the Machine went, we're behind this. Because obviously they're just sitting there. It's an old song of theirs. Yeah. They're sitting there going like, yeah, we'll get behind this. And that helped. And that was when he said, oh, we would give the money to charity suddenly that helps as well dave Grohl, muse liam howlett from the prodigy all said that they would back the campaign Mm. paul mccartney said he was happy with the campaign even though he'd been on the x factor as the musical guest (laughs) and jedward also got behind that and once you've got jedward you're like okay this is over isn't it (laughs) um people thought it was a bit of a scam because x-factor and rage against the machine are both with sony bmg but i don't think that's true i think if you're gonna pick a band mm. to stand against an x-factor i could totally see why rage against the machine yeah seem fun
1: who was in contention with x-factor then
0: joe mceldry
1: I remember him. He was quite baby faced. He, he was. He like a quite small boy. Faced. I remember yes. Harry Hill's TV burp would make fun of him.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Rage Against the Machine themselves attracted controversy when they performed an uncensored rendition of the so- song on BBC Radio 5 Live. Oh. So they were asked to appear on 5 Live and sing the song, but not to swear. And during the crescendo of the performance, he screamed the lyrics as written uh hosts nikki campbell and sheila fogarty apologized afterwards now if in your song you have the line i won't do what you tell me mm. do you think they might swear during it when I... it's one of those things where you go yeah what were you also i don't believe for a second five Life thought they wouldn't swear do you think? Not sure. Sure. I'm, okay. I mean, someone in Five Live would get in trouble if he ever admitted to it, but you book Rage Against the Machine Yeah. to sing their protest song and tell them to change the words beforehand.
1: What What was the swear word?
0: So the 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 proper lyrics are, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me. Okay. And that's what they sang on Five Live on the morning show. And Nikki Cam and Sheila Fogerty, had to apologise. Surely they must be going like, well, of, of course. <laughs> That's the least. <laughs> it's like when you get Bob Geldof on TV. Everyone's like, Come on, do your swearing, Bob. <laughs> Go on. Do your swearing. But, it...
1: but then this would have generated more publicity for it as well, of course, wouldn't it? it
0: did. Yeah. This is the thing. It was just it was one of those things where it was just a complete snowball by this yeah. point. Um so on the twentieth of December it reached the number one spot. It sold more than half a million copies and became the first this is actually quite a big deal. It was the first download-only single to become the UK Christmas number I one because obviously it hadn't been produced as a single ready to ready to go. Uh, the following week, Joe McElderry's cover of "The Climb" became the last British UK number one single of the year and the and and of the uh, that decade. Okay, Ken, so he
1: did get to number
0: one. He eventually. did get to number one eventually. Killing okay. in the Name dropped to number two, and then. Fell thirty-eight places to number forty the week after wow. because obviously it's just a protest. <laughs> yeah. Thing. Yeah. Uh Later that, like the following year, Rage Against the Machine performed a free concert for forty thousand pound uh, fans in Finsbury Park, where they hand they were handed a representative check for the amount of one hundred and sixty-two thousand pounds, representing okay. the proceeds from the Just Giving page and the royalties of the yeah. single it broke the world record for the category of fastest-selling digital track after recording over half a million downloads in its first week. Gosh.
1: Oh, Um, yeah, so I am glad now that you don't have that X Factor, Pop Factor, Christmas number one thing, just because I always loved the race to number one with, with, like, proper bands, and, like, some people would would come out with like a really left-field Christmas song that was awful, but they were obviously releasing it, hoping it would get to yes. number one, and it never did.
0: Do you know what could be Christmas number one this year?
1: There is one song that they're playing on Radio 1 at the moment that is just like a... It's just a normal song, but there's a reference in it about drinking, and, drinking until Christmas or something. There's just one line in it, and it's not a Christmas song, but I just get the sense from it that it might creep up the charts as christmas comes because there's a reference to it about something about drinking drinking until my until i see my friends at christmas or there's something like that
0: sounds like the sort of thing we just sang during lockdown (laughs) 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 so this isn't christmas based maybe this is a bit london-centric but i don't know then december the 9th 2009 The circle line stops being a circle. Oh. Prior to 2009, the circle line was a circle and had been a circle since 1884. Okay. And it ran around a load of central London stations in a circle. Mm. On December the 9th, that stopped and it is now and remains a spiral where it started Paddington, and then it goes round London, and then it spins out to Hammersmith.
1: Oh! I feel like I should have been aware of the build-up to this, though, because, again, like that was the year that I moved back to Wales from London. So the plans would have been in place.
0: Yeah. I remember, generally, you know, they bring out a new tube map every couple of years. I No one really cares, because the differences tend to be very small. This was one where they did go please pick up a new tube map because you might get on a train and it will go somewhere else (laughs) (laughs) owing to its traditionally circular nature the line has generated many urban myths over the years including that a dead man traveled around undiscovered (laughs) because when it was a circle you could just get on it and spin around all day
1: yeah so you could have literally have just gotten on it at you any You could have point, just got on yeah. it. In,
0: in the Prior to 2009, you could have got on it and just spun around London all day, either mm. clockwise or anti-clockwise. And this meant that rumours included a dead man had travelled around undiscovered, that a school or office had used the service to save on infrastructure costs.
1: And so what, they, ev- just, they just would meet on the
0: yeah, circle line? Yeah, that they just get a carriage and they're like, okay, this is where we're working. Which sounds ridiculous but the other day i did a job in glasgow and i got on the train at 6 a.m and i must have got to glasgow at something like 10 and i did so much work on the journey up i did genuinely think i could get a ticket to glasgow and back every day that would be cheaper than an office (laughs) i've got a nice view i worked uninterrupted i've the Wi-Fi's not great, but I've experienced worse.
1: <laughs> oh, I just love the idea that someone would, would ask me, I've been trying to get, to get a hold of Gareth today. Do you know where he is?
0: Carlisle. And
1: I'd, and I'd be like, it, he's probably in between, yeah, he's in yeah. between <laughs> Manchester and Carlisle somewhere. Um, oh, is he Is he going to Glasgow? Um, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, he is, but, but he'll yeah. be back tonight.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's going to Glasgow, getting a Pret and coming straight <laughs> No, I did. I got loads done on the way up, and I got loads done on the way back. And at the end of the day, oh. I was like, "Hey, this could this could be the new me." Could be. Um. <laughs> <It> could be. <laughs> <laughs> Which line would you have got in and out of then, if oh, you, when you were in London?
1: So I was always like west, southwest, so district.
0: Yeah, it's one of the few where your phone still works. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Um, often like an overground as well to Clapham Junction the, the problem problem with that is um, I was always really disappointed if I moved flat or something and the nearest like train station was an overground because I always preferred oh. the underground if I was living in London I wanted to be on the underground like an overground yeah. was like fake underground <laughs> 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 it didn't yeah. feel like you were in London somehow I want to feel like an evacuee.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, <laughs> with a sort of dingy, unbranded cafe that you definitely would never, ever buy anything from. No. <laughs> it's <sighs> always, it's now we get those cafes in undergrad stations where you're like, I've never seen anyone buy anything from you. What? Well,
1: is this? no. Hoburn station. Yeah. Which was right outside my, my office for a couple of years. And I always used to buy Marmite on Toast from there. Oh, and take it to the office. Yeah, that's
0: that's nice. That's a nice Mm. London thing to do. It
1: is. Yeah,
0: the stall in Victoria is the only place I've ever seen selling tea, coffee, and Horlicks. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Only in London. (laughs) So that is really December two thousand and nine. Great. Um, Avatar came out, but I don't think
1: I've never seen it.
0: No, I, I, I have seen it and I couldn't remember a single thing mm-hmm. about it to warrant bringing it up. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, so I decided to leave that where it was. Um, <laughs> if you've seen Avatar, let us know. The Xenial Dome <laughs> <or> Hotmail.com, <builder. laughs> <laughs> uh, Or you can tweet us on the Xenial Dome and um, send a message to Xenial Dome on Instagram. Uh, that's it. We'll be back next week with another December episode all going to plan thanks for listening (laughs) goodbye